from Green Biz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from Green Biz events. I'm Joel McCower. In terms of incorporating recycled material uh, back into our product line, some plastics are easier uh, than others, and um, I think the more companies that kind of jump on this bandwagon and and uh, create more of a market for plastic to be reincorporated back into other products, I think is going to help a lot. That was Fisk Johnson, chairman and CEO of SC Johnson, the multinational manufacturer of household cleaning products, founded by his great-great-grandfather. He sat down with David Katz, founder and CEO of The Plastic Bank, an organization with a mission to monetize plastic waste at GreenBiz 19 in Phoenix, Arizona. They discuss the plastics crisis and what they're doing about it. Let's listen in. I am so pleased and honored to have these two gentlemen with me today. Um, Fisk Johnson, the CEO and chairman of SC Johnson, um, and David Katz, the founder and CEO of Plastic Bank. Now, um, SC Johnson is in my cabinet at home, <laughs> Windex brand, a Ziploc a pledge for all my antiques. Um, and uh, what, what I wanted to do uh, was, first of all, thank this for being here, because he just flew in from Indonesia, so another person, world traveler, getting here. Um, and he was on a field trip there, and I, I thought of no better way to, introduce, to get this panel started to, to have this video played from last weekend, actually, two days ago. So please play our video. All this plastic in the ocean is incredibly tragic. You've got all this sea life. You've got plankton eaters like mantas that have to navigate through it and potentially ingest it. And it's getting into the food chain. So much plastic everywhere and it's really destroying the health of the ocean. And all of us need to do something about it. Business, civil society, governments, all have to get together to solve this important issue. sharing that with us, Fisk. Um, I'm going to move up here so you can see me. I am also a diver like he is, and, and this is a personal passion of mine as well. And you turn this into a business imperative for your company. Last fall, your, your organization committed to making 100% of the plastic containers for your products either reusable, recyclable, or compostable by 2025. Um, so why is this such an important business imperative, clearly a personal one? Why good for the business? Well, this is uh, probably the single most important environmental issue that we have as a company, the amount of plastic from our products that go into the waste stream. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, environmental leadership has, you know, long been a part of the DNA of our company, so it's been an important 
problem for us to uh, solve. I would just say from a business case standpoint, the way I look at it is really from a trust perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, trust in business is at an all-time low today. Um, and trust is the thing that keeps our customers coming back to buy our products. And I think one of the important ways that people decide to trust a company is how you treat people and the planet. And so it's important. So we're going to talk a bit uh, more about the operational aspects of what you're doing. Um, but but part of what, what you're doing to address this is working with the Plastic Bank um, organization. And I'm curious, could you please uh, just give a thumbnail um, for the audience of why you're a unique approach to, to this issue? It should be no coincidence. It, it's, it's not a coincidence that most of the plastic that is entering the ocean, over 80%, is coming from areas of extreme poverty. And if you live in the conditions of poverty with no food, medical care, opportunity for your children, you really have no concern or the ability to be in consideration of recycling. Now, the Plastic Bank is a global chain of stores for the ultra-poor, where everything in the store is available to be purchased using plastic garbage by weight. School tuition, medical insurance, Wi-Fi, sustainable cooking fuel, high-efficiency stoves, everything the world's poor need and can't afford available to be purchased using plastic garbage by mass, mm -hmm. giving accessibility to the world. Because we can't convince someone against their will. Right? The conversation is a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. We can't convince the poor to go and recycle for our benefit. But when we give them an opportunity of hope and the consideration of their children and their lives, that tends to tip the scale. So how is S.C. Johnson working together with the Plastic Bank? Much of the theme in the conference here has been collaboration, as I've heard it. And this is a beautiful example of collaboration. Now that plastic that we collect, the material that has helped transfer value through the lives of people, that's ocean-bound social plastic. And that's a material that Fisk and his organization have committed to using in their packaging. We really help close the loop in the circular economy. So in the future, when you buy a bottle of Windex that has ocean-bound social plastic in it, you would, in fact, be participating with cleaning the environment, prohibiting the plastic from entering the ocean, and alleviating poverty simultaneously. And there's no better partner than Fisk and S.E. Johnson. <laughs> so from an operational standpoint, how do you, how do you flex to, 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 to take that? Social plastic, that's a really great term, I love it. But. Well, so uh, what you're gonna see April 1st is a launch of a Windex uh, skew made from uh, ocean plastic, and uh, by the fall, we're gonna be actually sourcing plastic uh, from David's organization and reincorporating it uh, back into our products. So you have the, the eight, there's eight recycling centers right now that you're, I don't know if that's the proper term, I'm sorry if it's not, but there are eight locations in which you are working together right now. So would that be in Indonesia that you're actually making the product as well? Will you, will you source and then manufacture what you're talking about there? 
No, we'll actually be sourcing it. It'll be processed by a third party, and then it'll come to back. us mm -hmm. uh, back probably in the United States and uh, elsewhere in the developed world where we'll sell it. So clearly, you're, a CEO, you know, you're, you're the guy at the top um, and in your family organization. But how did, you get, how did you build your team around you to help pull this off? Because that's part of the, the, the hardest thing that the, the audience here has is to, to get the support internally to make the change. So what are you doing to do that? Well, I, first of all, we have a lot of enthusiastic people in the organization that are very passionate about the environment as, as I am. And um, we, we have a number of different environmental initiatives going on uh, in the company. But the, the, uh, this one in particular has kind of taken on a new light given uh, the momentum that's uh, building out there in, in the world around this issue. And, uh, I, one of the things that I really like about what's happening is, you know, consumer awareness out there of this issue is, is up to, to new levels and that awareness really helps us solve the problem. I'll give you a quick example. Um, we have been, uh, uh, working for over a decade to get to, uh, get people to reuse our trigger bottles. Right. Um, and, you know, we've been trying to sell a concentrate where you just have to pour it in, add water, and we've gotten very little traction with it. And it's largely because people just aren't aware enough of the problem with this issue and so never bothered to, to want to go through that behavior change. But I love the fact that so much attention has been brought to this issue that I think probably now is the time where we can actually make a product uh, like that work because people understand it's, it's an important issue and, and may be willing to reuse trigger bottles for, you know. So I, I, I agree with that. And I, by the way, buy bigger bottles of Windex. <laughs> I, I reuse my bottles, my trigger bottles. How, part of the, the challenge, we hear about great cleanup programs, great recycling programs. Part of the challenge is how does a business work, especially in, in places like the United States, how do you help enable the U.S. consumer to be that, that steward, if you will? How do you, how, what responsibility do you have to help the consumers get there? Well, uh, one thing that we're doing currently is helping to bring attention uh, to this issue. So, for example, the video like that, that yeah. you just saw, you know, you know, we're going to put out there on the web, and uh, I want to continue the momentum that's building out there in terms of awareness around this issue because that's going to help us uh, uh, solve it. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, we've been putting post-consumer recycled plastic in our bottles for quite some time, mm -hmm. but we've never labeled it on the front of the bottle because it just didn't matter to anybody. Um, but you're going to see that happening shortly on our products because all of a sudden it does matter and it's going to make a difference in purchase <clears throat> behavior. If I may. You may. Uh, one of the great opportunities, and as I've traveled the world, I've always encountered people that put up their hand and say, someone's got to do something about what's occurring in the ocean. And I would argue that what in fact occurs, like many of you have maybe have said that, but I think what occurs is that most people put up their hand and say, I want to do something about it, and I don't know how. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah. to make it simple for people to participate, like having it within a consumer product that they're familiar with buying, so that when they are purchasing something, it becomes very, very simple. If we can begin to habituate people into looking for those types of materials and packaging that regenerate humanity, regenerate the environment, then that is a very nice, easy path and a beginning for everyone. That's what's occurring. What kind of impact do you hope to make, Fisk? From our partnership? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I need to tell a little story to answer that question because, um, you know, when I was in Bali this last time, uh, I spent a day with David's team there. And one of the things that we did was uh, visit some plastic collectors there uh, that are not a part of David's network. And, uh, you know, it was a very heart-wrenching experience because these people live in abject poverty and, um, and they are absolutely beholden to the middlemen who buy this plastic from them. I mean, it, it's almost the equivalent of modern-day slavery. I mean, they're in a hole that they absolutely cannot get out of. And uh, the beauty of what David's organization does is that it takes out that middleman, it allows them to pay more for the plastic they collect. Um, they have an, uh, an e-currency that they use It's you know, allows some of these folks the ability to save for the very first time in their life, and it, and it, it uplifts their, you know, well-being and, you know, you know, put the ocean plastic aside. I mean, the biggest impact I'd love to see is the, the social impact that you can have on, on people uh, in, in this area. It's true. It's modern slavery. As the community of, well, we don't like to use the words waste pickers. It's derogatory. But that community where so many people want to rely on that community thinking that the solution would be to help exemplify or help to, to, to multiply that community is really exacerbating modern slavery. And within the social plastic ecosystem, it creates business ownership. Mm -hmm. It's cooperatives mm -hmm. where everyone owns the business and gets credit rating and financial inclusion. It's a comprehensive shift in the model. So, you know, and I, and I love it as well. There's, like I said, there's eight locations right now. So I always wonder, how do you, mm -hmm. how do you scale something like this and, and really make and get the impact that you want to have? Um, now, we have hundreds of locations around the world, you, by the you way. Have, yeah, you yeah. have hundreds. Of, yeah. So how, how do you get that to scale? And, and does, does this work in a place like the United States? Could it work in the United States or another country that's it's, it's more established as an I think we need to make it work in the United States. There's an incredible volume of material that's not recycled here that has value. It's a petroleum resource. There's value in that. Yeah. And we need to continue working on systems here. There's so many areas, of, there's so much homelessness and, and, and desperation in the United States. So we need to have that value into the hands of the people who need it the most. It should not be in the waste bin. I mean, I, I think the economics are a little harder in the de developed world to uh, make it work. And, and to me, you know, it's, it's going to take government regulation. It's going to take civil society and business working together to, to really close the loop in the, the developed, uh, developed world. Um, I think, 
you know, with the attention that this issue has gotten around the world, um, we're at a tipping point and uh, business has an opportunity to em embrace this change and uh, continue to drive attention to this issue and begin to work with governments and embrace new regulation, good regulation, uh, that can help us solve the issue, particularly in the developed world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the things I want to go back to again is, is the scale for you. And, and you've, you've mentioned a couple of ways, a product that you're going to have soon. Um, the concentrate, I believe, was, I, I don't know, remember which product it was for, but it was a, a specific product line. How do you scale it? I mean, is it, is it just a matter of figuring out for one product and then it's easier to do with the others? Or, you know, again, back to that operational question, because that's the thing that a lot of the businesses struggle with here. How do I get this? Well, on the concentrate thing, I mean, the, the biggest challenge is consumer demand for it. Right. And, and I think, you know, again, raising consumer awareness of the issue is going to really help create some pull for, for that kind of product. Um, in terms of incorporating recycled material uh, back into our product line, some plastics are easier uh, than others. And um, I think the more companies that kind of jump on this bandwagon and, and uh, create more of a market for plastic to be reincorporated back into other products, I think is going to help a lot. So one final wrap-up question is how, do, you know, when you think about this issue, how can you turn this from a problem into an opportunity, right? So an opportunity to include more people, an opportunity to have brand new products um, that could be good for business. How do you turn it into an opportunity for innovation? What, what investments are you making um, in that? In, the in terms of innovation? Innovation, yeah. Um, well, we've been constantly uh, working at uh, trying to reincorporate uh, plastic back into our products. There's a lot of technical challenges associated with that. I, I keep coming back to uh, the single most important thing that we can do is to raise consumer awareness, continue to work with governments, because I think it's going to take government, civil society, business, consumer awareness all working together if we're really going to close the loop. Mm -hmm. David? It's creating an opportunity for the world to participate. We have to make it easy for everyone. And we need to continue to be focused on, on the solution, which is to prohibit the flow of plastic from entering the ocean to begin with, mm -hmm. and enliven society to participate with the end of poverty, and the end of environmental degradation. You've been listening to Fisk Johnson and David Katz discuss plastics waste prevention at GreenBiz19 in Phoenix, Arizona. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. From all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening.